Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like? Then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Welcome back. All this month, we are going to be joined by Dr. Stephen Estime, an associate program director in anesthesiology at the University of Chicago. And he is joining us all month addressing your burning questions. Today's question will be, what makes an outstanding anesthesiology resident? Please enjoy. Segues into, well, what makes a great anesthesiology resident? I'll, I'll give you my perspective in terms of what I saw through my lens, you know, I, I work as an associate program director now for our residency program at the University of Chicago. I'm also director for diversity, equity, and inclusion in our graduate medical education office. And so I see and I work with a lot of trainees from medical students to residents to fellows to even junior faculty. What makes somebody good? How do I identify somebody that um, has got the potential to be a really, really good resident? And how do I coach some of the residents who may not be meeting the mark to get them to be better? You know, these are these are my kind of takeaways in my humble opinion. But I think probably one of the most important caveats is this ability to be selfless. And I think you see the ability of being selfless in a number of different characteristics. Um, when I mean selfless, I mean somebody who's willing to help somebody else, a colleague, and it's it's not within your best interest. It may not be within your best interest, meaning that. You're sacrificing perhaps your own personal time, energy, commitment to try to help somebody else out. Um, and I think when I look at residents who are performing really, really well in my program, that's that's oftentimes the attribute that I that I see from those residents. Um, I think part of being selfless means that you're able to perspective take. You're able to take somebody else's perspective, meaning that you're able to get inside their shoes. And you're able to kind of feel what they would be feeling in that particular situation, anticipate those needs, and then go ahead and solve those needs or, or help them out with that need. And that might just be as simple as, you know, a, a resident who has to take a really, really sick ICU patient by themselves up to the ICU. And, you know, maybe you got discharged out early from your clinical duties, but you're going to, instead of going home a couple minutes early, you're going to say, hey, you know what? I know that that my colleague here could probably use an extra hand to bring this patient up to the ICU, why don't I just do that for them? You know, um, I think that, that that ability to sort of sacrifice short term some of your personal needs or wants or goals to help somebody else out is something that cannot be understated. And it, com it comes across as somebody who's kind, humanistic. And I think you often you often see those traits amongst uh, you know, healthcare leaders, role models, friends, and just generalized, just generally excellent colleagues. So I think there's one really important aspect that that I think sets people apart. You know, I feel like I've seen the selflessness 
play to an extreme when it comes to, you know, our fellow physicians um, in that it's like, oh, if my patient didn't do well, that means I'm not well and I'm not doing well in life. And so you can really see a lot of enmeshment. So I, I wonder, you know, to certainly what you've outlined, being able to go above and beyond, being, you know, empathetic, taking a step back and seeing the humanity in, in not only the patients, but also your colleagues and saying, hey, I'm going to help you. I know you're not going to ask for it, but here I am, and this is what we're going to do, and you're just going to have to take it, you know? Uh, it, it does make for an environment that is that is lighter, and it enhances trust, which and ultimately enhances care. Uh, but, you know, what are the boundaries that you would put on that selflessness? Absolutely, and I think there's there's definitely trade-offs. These are not, um, you know, it, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not all or none. And so there has to be a balance. And I think part of that is is focusing that trade-off on your personal wellness and personal well-being. And that's something that I really focus on. I've really had to learn that through undergrad and medical school that you have to you have to take care of yourself as well, too. And so um, if you're going to uh, sacrifice some of your own wants and needs, it can't be, you know, don't go over the top on that. So if it's going to be, if it's going to be something that saves you five or 10 minutes mm -hmm. to help somebody else out, 15 minutes to, sell, to, to help somebody else out, and you've got nothing else going on for the rest of the day, you just want to go home and put your feet up or whatever else, and it doesn't change anything, then why not do it? You know, I think more often than not, maybe, maybe default to that. But if you've got a really important function that you've got to be at, you know, if you're really struggling that day, if you had a really, really rough week and you just need to get out and just decompress for your own sake and, and, and well-being, I think what also makes a good resident is somebody that understands what their needs are and understands how to um, how to satisfy themselves in a way that they can be productive in a positive way. And that's really trying to focus on whatever it is that's going to enhance your well-being, whether that's you know, doing for me, that's, that's working out and that's going out and really exerting myself, uh, physically. It's also, you know, having multiple different facets to my life. So making sure that I still have a lot of friends and family, and that I'm doing things like reading books and watching interesting movies and, you know, going on interesting trips, you know, these are things that are all going to really contribute to my personal well-being, so that I can actually go back into my everyday job and sacrifice myself a little bit for my patients, for my colleagues, for, you know, those people around me. And so I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. You have to do both in order to do them well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so this, this reiterates the, the airplane oxygen mask, right? You got to put yours on first before you go help someone else. Some of the most action-packed cases, um, they weren't mine personally, and it just felt good not to necessarily be the one directly involved, but being able to take a step back and lend a hand. It's like, oh, wow, this is fun. You know, uh, <laughs> somebody else is doing all the documenting and, and you know, <laughs> they're they so, and they appreciate it so much. Like your colleagues, it's so it's it takes such little like relative effort. And your colleagues helps. They, they, they love it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people turn around and be like, just thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for helping out. And I'm looking at them like, I didn't even do anything. Like I just came here and I pushed this. I just pushed the bed, you know? I just pushed the bed or I just charted a couple of meds. Like I didn't do anything, but like your presence there and your ability to like step up and just be with them and try to help them out in any way, like that relative effort 
for the payoff at the end is the, the return on investment is significant. And so um, I want to throw out one of the qualities I find in a great residents, taking initiative. Now, I know to some extent this might be related to the selflessness in that, you know, you have to take initiative to say that, hey, I'm going to, I am going to use this time that I could just go off and I'm going to help because that's what I want to do. Uh, but I also find that when those residents have to call us the night before to let us know of a plan, um, or if we have an add-on and we're like, okay, well, what is it that we're going to do? Uh, some of the best residents are the ones that offer up that plan. I want to do A, B, C, and D for these reasons. And then offer up if there's any discussion or any objections that we might have as attendings. Um, but I'm finding, uh, unfortunately, a lot more residents that are very quick to say, well, what do you want to do? And they would just sort of execute whatever it was that you would say. But of course, I always push back. <laughs> you know, like, oh, wait a minute, no, no. <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, what I, I would, I would agree with that. I think that um, probably the best way that I've done to address it. I love what you had said there. Is you push back and you say, no, 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 don't push this to me. What do you want to do? And that's my favorite question. That's that's my favorite question. Whenever. A resident comes in and they give a presentation or, you know, they call me the night before and they pre-op and they say, well, you know, this is what the patient's got. And I don't know, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, this is your, this is your patient. I'm just here. I I, I joke around, like I, I joke with them to make it, to keep it fresh. But I say, Hey, I'm just here to sign the chart. What do you, <laughs> this is your patient. All right. So like you, you tell me what you want to do. Keep us out of jail. Okay. I don't want to go to jail for medical malpractice, but this is your patient. So when I come in tomorrow, all I'm doing is I'm just helping you facilitate the plan that you already have. And, and that's the that's the part. I think what you highlighted um, there, I define it as just personal responsibility. And I think that's another core tenant of having a uh, of, of success in residency is having a high degree of personal responsibility, which you know, I think means it's taking ownership, it's having ownership. Of, of all the consequences and all the actions that are going to happen for that day, both good and bad. And so I think um, the good part means if you're going to take care of this patient and you want to do a really good job, take ownership of that and and come in there. Don't worry about, uh, you know, stepping on toes or being somebody that looks like they're uh, being too assertive and proactive. That's what we want. We want that. I'll let you know if you're being too much, but that's usually not the problem. And so you also have to have ownership over the bad as well. And I think that that's also really important so that when a complication happens, when um, when when an adverse event happens, when something that like you just didn't know or, or you know, there's a gross misalignment in your information or maybe a procedure didn't go well, if you have that, pers- that personal responsibility, um, hopefully you see that as your complication as well. And I think you have to see it as your complication in order to actually grow from it, you know, because how are you going to ever grow? How are you going to, how are you ever going to develop your practice and learn from it if you're deflecting the blame on somebody else? And I think that that starts by saying, Hey, that, that starts by not owning the plan and not owning the course of this patient's care. And so, um, there are a lot of things with anesthesia that we get blamed for. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can blame because, you know, the reality is that perioperative surgical care, there's a lot of different things that are happening to the patient. And yeah, you're right. It may not directly be your fault that X, Y, and Z happen, but you have to ask yourself how 
could I have contributed to this? And how may I, how was there a way that I could have prevented this in the future? Um, Because if you're not, if you're not asking those questions, then, then you're not going to grow. Yes. And uh, just to provide a concrete example, because especially with you being ICU, I'm sure this has happened more often than not, is that you get that outside hospital transfer and they got all the IVs and everything. And you assume that that IV is in the vein. What happens so frequently where I, I don't care, you know, who put the IV in, I have to check with the flush to make sure that it actually works. Because the last thing you want to do, and unfortunately, I'm sure this has happened to you, you know, you have your induction drugs in line and it's like, it's just sitting there. And, you know, you opened up everything and you're like, oh crap, you know, this thing is blown. It's not even in the vein. It's just sitting there. You have to reiterate, trust, but verify, trust, but verify, trust, but verify. This is one of the areas in which, you know, when you talk about personal responsibility and things that go wrong, it's because we are just making assumptions that we really cannot make um, until we verified it for ourselves. Yeah, I think I think that that uh, that example rings true. That was that was my first case as an attending was a breast case that I was doing, and I went to induce, and lo and behold, everything was extravascular, and it was an infiltrated IV, and the patient started crying, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is how I'm going to kick off my career." I feel so <laughs> bad. I feel so bad like that, that this happened. But I think um, to to that point, the personal responsibility, you know, the even though the nurse in pre-op maybe put the IV in, that's, that's, that's my fault as well, too, for not trusting and verifying that that IV was actually in the correct spot prior to starting my induction. Because this is my induction. This is now my IV. This is my responsibility, irregardless of who put this thing in. So it really doesn't matter who I blame. I need to blame myself because I didn't do what I needed to do to make sure that this was a safe, proper functioning IV prior to delivering induction medication. And so I think, again, it's that uh, it's that personal responsibility. You can go overboard with personal responsibility, and that can turn into depression and a lot of other things. So you don't want to go overboard, but I definitely think you don't want to underboard it. And you don't want to just take your career to uh, to blame others and offset blame as much as yourself. You've got to own it. You yeah, to your point, this is an area where you can grow. So by no means is this something meant to be self-flagellating. You know, this is intended to, oh, okay, mental note, now I'll never forget. You know, and I will check every central, every line. I won't use a thing until I have verified that it is where it's supposed to be. Kinds of lessons is what's going to make you an outstanding physician. Yeah, I think you're right about the, the emphasis on not self-flagellating, not just saying, oh, this happened. So I'm just a really, really bad anesthesiologist. That's not productive. Like that's not the way to do it. You need to look at it like, okay, this happened. What am I going to do next time so that this doesn't happen? What could, what steps could I take to mitigate whatever happened? That's, that's something that's going to lead to more productivity. That's a growth mindset. And that's, what's going to lead you to becoming a better anesthesiologist, not the self-flagellation. Yeah, no, Absolutely. All right. What what other uh, tips would you have to be an outstanding anesthesiologist? Yeah, I think the last one. So we had talked a little bit about um, thus far uh, selflessness. I think we talked a little bit about personal responsibility. Um, I think another really big important part is optimism of, of trying to maintain this optimistic outlook on everything. And I think these things are all sort of interrelated. Um, but I think optimism is worth just mentioning in, a, in and of itself. 
Uh, I think a lot of times in medicine, particularly when we're looking at things in anesthesia where we see a lot of bad surgery um, or a lot of bad surgical outcomes, you know, when I'm in the intensive care unit, the surgical intensive care unit is filled of filled with just like complications of things that didn't need to happen, you know, or bad things that happened. And, you know, it can really sort of create this really negative environment. And I think that that's how some people cope, but it's, it's sort of, um, it's a dangerous way to cope. It leads to cynicism. And I think it can oftentimes lead to burnout and depression and sort of all these other, uh, mental taxations that, that we oftentimes face and, and, um, it's, it's just not worth it. And so, uh, I think what's really important is trying your best amidst all the negativity and amidst amidst the kind of grind and hustle that we've got to sometimes embark on. Try to figure out, you know, where's the positive? Where does the positive lie? Sometimes we do, we have this running joke of everything being a learning opportunity uh, when <laughs> when when you get um, you know perhaps uh, given a, a case that you didn't necessarily want or something happens. But I do think. In seriousness, looking at it as learning opportunity uh, and thinking about, okay, well, you know, I guess I'm not going home on time today, but uh, I'm in residency or, hey, I'm, I'm here to take care of this patient. What can I get out of this? What, what you know, what, um, what benefit can we, can we get out of this? Can we derive out of this? I think that's, a, that's being in a place where people want to work with you. Um, I love it when I'm working with trainees and residents who just constantly, no matter what comes their way. They're just like Dr. Estime, we're just, we're going to do it. We're going to handle it. We're going to take care of this. Don't worry. And brings a smile to my face whenever I, whenever I hear that. And so I think this, this commitment to positivity, it's a commitment that you've got to take as an active commitment that you've got to take for it every single day, um, I think is, is something that can really separate you from your colleagues. And what comes up for me is having that attitude of, you know, oh, uh, that add-on case or that train wreck that came in. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And so always having that attitude that this is actually for your growth. This is for your benefit. Uh, and, and that is going to help fuel and feed that optimism. So not, you know, oh, I have to do this. It's I get to do this. This is for my benefit. And just always having that sort of as a reminder. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, is there anything else you would add to this? Because this is this is really good. Yeah, maybe one more. And I don't. I, I'm I'm struggling with this one. I, I you know as I was thinking about this episode and what in you know whether I add this one. This is maybe like in in asterisks, if you will. I, I don't know if you necessarily need this, but I think that it's an important part of being a physician of of being in this uh, in this space in this field. And I think it's really having having personal meaning in the work that you do you know um that that i think has been something that's been incredibly helpful for me and i've i've seen that same sentiment in a lot of the residents that i've seen come through that have done really really well there's a bigger purpose for why they're doing the work it's not just for the money it's not for the prestige it's not because you know it's going to it's going to look cool but it's because they're they're trying to do it for somebody or for something um, I think that that also sort of ties into personal wellness and resiliency, um, because if you're if you're doing it for something or something other that's maybe even greater than just yourself, I think it's something that helps you to push through. I think it gives you that extra caveat, that extra motivation to to make it happen. And when I mean you're doing it for somebody else, I don't mean that you're trying to do it for your parents. You're not doing it for you know your significant other to make to make yourself look anything else. But you're doing it for you're doing it for a greater reason than than. Than whatever that is. 
I don't know if that always holds true. I don't know if that is a necessary part of being a great resident, but I do think that that's a really helpful part um, for building resiliency to just take a step back and think about why am I doing this? Ask your why and understand um, understanding why you're doing something can really help sort of define some of your uh, your life's work, your purpose, and can kind of help give you direction. Because let's face it, once you're done with residency and, and fellowship, it's kind of a space where um, you're kind of left off, like you've got to kind of do a little bit of personal digging and figuring out where do you want the rest of your career to go and why. It's kind of a space that we really don't talk about a lot, but it's a space where, I don't know, I certainly struggle with it. Still. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, I would say that when you describe meaning, I almost bundle that in with optimism because the only way you can really um, come to you know the hospital every day with the with that with that positivity, it, it you you have to be linked to a bigger purpose. Um, that's really the only thing that's going to continually fuel your cup. You know, so the attitude that this is happening for me, it suggests that, yeah, th- that there is a, a universe, there, there is a, a higher purpose. There's a reason why you're doing this. And it's creating ripples by which you don't even know what the downstream effects of, you know, what your uh, talents and what your dedication is doing, right? Um, so it, it's definitely like faithful um, is the way I, I think of it when it comes to meaning and optimism. But I'm glad you separated that because it's absolutely true. And um, one of the things that I always try to push with the podcast is that, you know, so many of us are like, you know, anesthesiology, that's the carrot. That's the carrot. You know, once, once you become an anesthesiologist, oh, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be kicked back. I'm going to just like enjoy every day. It'll be great. But you're going to say, is this it? It's crazy to say that. I know. I, you know what? Because you go so far. I mean, I just, you know, I, I remember going, you know, you're in high school and you're in you're an undergrad and then you're in medical school. You've got this one track mind of like, I just got to get into medical school. I just got to be a doctor. I just got to be an anesthesiologist. And then you wake up one day after having passed all your boards and everything is all done. You just wake up one day and you're just like, huh, what now? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, to call that out, because yes, that that space we don't talk about. And that's because that's the road that is not well-traveled. That is the, um, it's so personalized and it's so nuanced for every person. What that is going to look like for you, that, that, that extra, that thing that will fill you up because um we're multidimensional people and uh, anesthesiology, you know, just engages that one, one piece. Yeah. And there you have it. The qualities of an outstanding anesthesiology resident, selflessness, personal responsibility, optimism, and meaning. Now, if you really think about it, these qualities obviously just doesn't encapsulate that of an outstanding anesthesiology resident but instead encapsulates that of an individual who is going to be successful regardless of what they pursue. Remember, anesthesiology is just one aspect of who you are. It's not all of who you are. And we can't expect it to fill all of who you are. So in closing, selflessness, personal responsibility, optimism, and meaning are going to serve you regardless of what that road 
after training takes you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.